So I know we don't really talk a whole lot about movies on here unless I come across one that I really want to share, and I have one for you. It's called Rescue. And the synopsis of this movie is that after the accidental death of Jake's oldest daughter and wife, Jake's only daughter, Leah, has been abducted by human traffickers and is being sold to the cartel. Jake's experience in martial arts sets out with little clues in hand and a collie stick in the other. If you want to check out the trailer, you can do that at rescue.movie. That's rescue.movie. It's also the winner of the Best Feature Film at the Global Film Festival Awards in LA that took place this year in 2022, and it has a 9 out of 10 rating on IMBD. You can check out their Facebook fan page or again at rescue.movie for trailers and where you can actually watch the movie. Just do yourself a favor and see why this movie, Rescue, won the Best Feature Film Award. Head to rescue.movie today. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the current state of WWE. We have Anthony and Marco back with us this week after a week off. And we are back to talk about what the hell's going on in WWE and what things look like now under the guidance and management of the true Triple H and Stephanie regime, not just on air. The authority is now a real thing, managing WWE. And with Vince gone, this the product, it's not an overhaul, but there's a lot of small changes, I think, that have added up to a just a fresh feel. And, of course, the main event scene that is now starting to shift away from Brock and Roman for the last seemingly like eight years. So, Anthony, welcome to the show, and let's do this. Yeah, man, I it's really a good place to start right at the top with the main event, because I remember like for months, it felt like I would come on here and I would just like, you know what, and complain about how it was all Roman, all bloodline all the time. And even though Roman is still the undisputed champion carrying both belts around, just the fact that like you have more players predominantly in the main event scene aside from Brock and Roman. And, you know, obviously we knew that Brock didn't stand a, a chance in hell of winning those titles at SummerSlam. So we knew it was all centered around Roman. But now that just we have Drew McIntyre rightfully right back in the thick of the main event, carrying cross lurking and really keeping a close eye on what's going on, Dexter Loomis making his like random appearances on Monday Night Raw. It feels like Kevin Owens is going to get a rocket sh- uh, a rocket pack strapped to his back and shot to the moon sooner rather than later. You have Seth Rollins still kind of like lingering in the in the weeds like well he just made that that uh, declaration a few weeks ago that he was going to go after Roman. Is he going to make true on that? All of the sudden it feels like even though Roman is still the champion, there's a lot more different avenues that they can go down. Don't forget about Champa, right? Like Champa yep. also, who I know he's kind of in the U.S. title picture, but boy, he put on one of the best matches on Raw in quite a while, a couple of weeks ago with Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title. And so WWE 
with Triple H in charge now, has taken Champa, a guy that was just randomly appearing. Most people, if you didn't watch NXT, didn't know who the hell he was, didn't get a microphone in his hand, was just attacking people from behind with no direction, all of a sudden just shot to the U.S. title uh, mix and puts on one of the greatest matches on Raw in probably a, a few months and is easily, I think, in most fans' minds, could be a main eventer, you know, maybe next year. And uh, you know, so it's just amazing and just what a few weeks can do and allowing him to talk. But you're right. The landscape has changed in a way that makes you if you're a if you're a of the belief that Roman should end this title reign and we do talk about this every week but until it happens it needs to be discussed of how crazy it's getting here with Roman Reigns and the title run WWE Vince or rather Vince Triple H is creating a product now that you're you're looking at and saying hey people that whoever beats Roman Reigns should be one of these guys an up and coming guy a young guy somebody they can build around and Triple H is doing exactly that and taking th- those said wrestlers and making them a believable candidate to take Roman out really any one of them i would argue is plausible to beat Roman Reigns and i would have no problem nearly with anybody uh when you look at Drew of course Drew we, maybe we can get into that in a little bit of Really, I think the the chances of him beating Roman at Clash at the Castle have increased exponentially since Triple H has taken over versus if Vince was still here. And, of course, as we just said, with Karrion Cross and Dexter Loomis and Ciampa and, you know, obviously a revived Kevin Owens who made his declaration last week on Raw in a very just a segment I didn't know I wanted with uh, Drew and Kevin Owens. There's, it's just so refreshing within just a few weeks. You have a product that just feels like it's, it's gotten a new fresh coat of paint and I love it. And it just goes to show that WWE has always had the talent to outmatch any other promotion that they could. Like, obviously let's say you rewind three years ago when AEW were the new kids on the block and everyone had shifted over there. And this is no slight against AEW, but it just kind of goes to show that when push comes to shove, at least in my mind, WWE, when they really want to, can just put on the best product out there. And they've kind of hinted towards taking off the, you know, the PG handcuffs, if you will. And I think if they do that, then it's absolutely that skies are the limit. But it's just it. And another thing here that I was proven wrong about is that. I guess it wasn't even so much that I didn't like Roman, because even though that he's still champion, the fact that he's been kind of pulled back a bit now has made me be like, hmm, you know, he is still kind of entertaining as champion, and he is. And you saw that reaction he got from my hometown in Montreal mm-hmm. uh, this past Friday night on SmackDown. Like, people love Roman Reigns, but I think it was just a question of, like, look, you have to present formidable challengers to Roman Reigns. It can't just be Roman Reigns and everyone else. And now in just, like, what, a month since Triple H has taken over creative, it feels like they've put in, like, four or five guys right on Roman Reigns' tail. And just the, I guess, unpredictability as to where the main event scene is going has made me be more interested in Roman Reigns. And you've said it how many times that even though Roman Reigns' run has largely been good, it's felt so damn predictable and nobody has ever been a threat and now it doesn't feel that way. And what do you know? I'm way more interested. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone, though, until the actual check is cashed, so to speak, where Roman does drop the belts, 
while he is getting a positive reaction in, as Jerry Lawler would call it, bizarro world. That's apparently what uh, he he calls you know when any anytime he crosses the border, that's you know what he has deemed you guys. Uh, but you know Roman Reigns outside of Montreal, which did get a very positive reaction, is starting to trend more babyface. And when you saw this past week on SmackDown, Roman for the first time I believe since the whole bloodline started and he became champion, he was alone. And he didn't have the wise men. He didn't have the Usos. Yeah, he had Sami Zayn, but he was there to just take another bullet for him. So I think that Roman on his own was an interesting bit. And having Roman out there with no crutch, just on his own, going face-to-face with Drew was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, obviously we saw what happened with the result. He ends up getting Claymore at the end of it with Drew holding up both belts. And I think the crowd didn't know kind of what to do. I mean, Montreal, you guys were like, we love, we, you know, we love Drew, but yeah, we kind of, we, we love this whole Roman thing. And yeah, I, we don't know because we want the belt off of him, but we also realize how big of a star Roman is. You guys seem pretty conflicted as to what to do. But I think in Cardiff, Wales, uh, you know, when you, when you, when the chips are down, I believe that it will be generally positive for Drew and, and negative for Roman, just because the fans are just ready to have him drop the belt. Even if you cheer Roman as a big star, when the match happens and the bell rings, I think fans are just like, all right, can we just get this over with? So do you think that there is now a much larger chance of Drew winning at Car- in Cardiff in a couple of weeks? I think so, just because that they've branched off the main event scene into so many different directions that I don't think you can just continue to have one undisputed champion. I think you need two world titles. And, you know, as we were talking about briefly before we, you know, start recording, they are scheduled to have a draft in the coming weeks. So the thought of maybe them doing away with the brand split and keeping one world championship doesn't seem to make sense at this point. So I just think that Drew winning one of the championships, presumably the WWE championship, and taking it over to Monday Night Raw makes the most sense because as soon as him and Roman are done, it feels like him and Karrion Cross are on a collision course. And what a way to, you know, kick off a new era of Monday Night Raw and having a world championship back for the first time since April than having Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross fighting at the top of the card. And then you look on the SmackDown side of things. Like to me, the first thing that comes to my mind is like if you turn Kevin Owens a baby face and have him get involved with the bloodline and the whole Sami Zayn dynamic, Like, that's almost a story that writes itself. Hmm. You have Seth Rollins, who's still lurking. You know, maybe you keep him on on Raw to go after Drew McIntyre. But at the same time, I'm saying, you know, there is a lot of unfinished business between him and Roman Reigns, so you could send him over to SmackDown. And then other people on Raw, like, in my mind, AJ Styles should get another crack at the World Championship. Bobby Lashley, love what he's doing with the U.S. title, but he was an excellent World Champion in late 2020, early 2021. Or actually only in 2021. I mixed up my dates. But I'm just saying that I think that what Triple H has done here, and it's all for the good, is that he's expanded the main event scene so much so that now it just no longer makes sense to have one sole World Champion. And for that, I absolutely think that Drew is more likely to win only one championship, I may add. Yeah, and we'll figure out the logistics. I still have my theory of how they're going to do it with the wise man being involved, and he snuck a clause in that says it was only for one of them, even though it's unified that there's something in the in the, the contract that Drew didn't see in the fine print, so he only gets one of the belts, and Roman can continue his streak. I don't care how they do it. I've said that a hundred times. I don't care how sloppy the work is on it or whatever. Just just have it. Just get it done, and I think they will do that. Um, you know, and and also don't forget about theory. Like theory is still floating out there. Yeah. 
got the money in the bank. Like, you know, it's amazing that in just a month's time or really less that you all of a sudden, as you said, you have all of these guys and all of them knew and all the, the crowd responding very positively to them. And I think the reason for that is even if you had no idea who these people were, even if you never saw NXT, you didn't even hear the name Karrion Cross, you never heard the name Champa, you never heard the name Dexter Loomis, you never like any of these guys. What WWE has done, Triple H and the create and creative and production has done, is give you video packages. Uh, they've they've given you great wrestling matches, which I think fans have really appreciated. It's been a much more wrestling centered uh, product, and I think that that is that's what you tune into wrestling for. Uh, so, you know, just going back to the basics, it, it autom- I mean, just it's amazing what just the basic basics can do to create main eventers. Now, I'm not saying every one of these guys are going to be, you know, right, WrestleMania main event guys, but at least now, like you said, the point of this is that you have created a, a whole like uh, slew of guys, like four or five guys. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, OK, I can actually see where one of these guys could be challenging for a championship in you know a few months next year whatever that's the great part is triple h has done one thing great already and that is his ability to create stars has already shown itself even if you don't know who these guys are which is to me the most important thing you can do in the entire business is create new stars and again this is a short a short sample size i know that i'm not going to give his report card yet you know but the most important thing you can do is create new stars. Triple H has already shown that in a month's time he can do that. Yeah, and just in the even in the mid card scene, like Gunther versus Sheamus, mm. like that was a match I never thought I wanted, but like it's crazy to say, but that could easily be a match of the night candidate. Like, do you can you imagine yeah. how stiff that match is? Gonna oh be? my god! <laughs> yeah. And and then you freak out because you realize it's the first time the IC title is going to be defended on a pay per view since WrestleMania of last year. That's, that's that's criminal. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And just the fact that he's been able to elevate the mid card championships. I believe you mentioned this on your show last night that even the mid card titles feel so much more important even the fact that you know uh, the women's tag team championships have been finally put back into relevance even though i think it's still a big uphill battle it just feels like triple h is going back to basics and making things that should feel important are actually at the forefront here and like it's not rocket science because why do you compete in any sport is to win the championship if you're not there to win the championship, then what the bleep are you doing there? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it felt like in WWE in recent years, like Vince would always pull away from that. And look, I understand that like there are such things as personal feuds. I get that. And I'm all here for it. Some of the best matches of all time have been over personal feuds like The Rock versus Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan versus HBK, although that kind of became an infamous match. But there have been such great personal feuds over the years. But at the end of the day, you're there to win championships. And if the championships don't feel important, then what the hell are we doing here? And that's one thing that I never understood about Vince is that, like, it felt like he overcomplicated things. Like, you didn't – and this was only in later years because, obviously, Vince of 15, 20, 25 years ago was a genius. But, like, it just felt that in recent years it was overcomplication and, like – it, like, just a simple, like, thing of, um, let's say, WrestleMania 33, which I believe you were in attendance mm-hmm. in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that he thought it was a good idea to have Roman Reigns and Undertaker main event that card, like, that is just simple 
creative decisions that could absolutely torpedo a pay-per-view and like how was it from a live perspective (laughs) um people well first of all you know i I kind of understand why he did it i mean when you know i i know why well I, i also think personal feelings about and the relationship between vince and mark calloway is documented to be i mean one of the closest relationships in all of wrestling it's even anytime that you'll notice that they're interviewed about each other they get emotional about each other so they have an extremely close relationship which i'm sure played into the placement of that match but being in attendance for that match it, it was a little tough to watch now the people obviously were booing roman as they should and we had Undertaker, who admittedly, after this uh, match in his documentary, said he should ha- he had no business in the ring that night, uh, and you know he he didn't look great, and he really believed Undertaker believed Mark Calloway believed that he was done. I mean, the way he descended uh, out of the ring and and the way that he left his uh, his attire on, I believe he left it on the ramp. Um, you know, he just kind of thought that was it that night. He really thought that it might be over. And uh, the, the match quality was not great. I mean, th- there was a lot of botches, and it's not really due to Roman. It's just due to the age of, of Mark Calloway. And so it wasn't the greatest match, but I understand probably why Vince wanted it to be the main event. And, like, look, I remember one of the main events that night, and I use that term very loosely, one of the main events, was Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt for the WWE Championship. Oh, my God. Which was one of the more underwhelming matches of all time, right? Where they had, like... The, uh, the hologram on the ring of, like, the parasites and what was it? Like, tur- what was it? It was, it like, maggots had? or something. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just overthinking it. And in my mind, that was a program that, like, they started off brilliantly. Awesome long-term storytelling. They had started that off back in, like, September of 2016 and built it all the way to April in 2017. And the fact that they somehow torpedoed that storyline... I could not believe, and you put that match on probably at like 9 o'clock in the evening, and you absolutely waste away that entire program centered around, theoretically, your most important championship just to build towards like a manufactured feud between The Undertaker and Roman Reigns and have it completely blow up in your face. Like, that that WrestleMania, to me was like an entire microcosm of what was wrong with WWE at the time. Because they had built their way up really well from the summer of 2016 to the um, to the WrestleMania, like building up Dean Ambrose really well, building up AJ Styles really well. And where did those two guys end up? One of them was the opening match on the card between AJ and Shane, and Dean Ambrose, defending the Intercontinental Championship, did not even make the main card. He was on the pre-show. You have Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, you know, on a six-month build to a match for the most prestigious uh, title in the company, and it's one of the more underwhelming matches in the history of WrestleMania. And just going forward with a manufactured personal feud, I know I'm kind of ranting here about WrestleMania 33, but it just goes to show that I think that was an example of overthinking everything, when if you stick to basics, you typically have a good thing going. Yeah, that's what Vince does. I mean, outside of the, the Hardy's return, which is probably the best moment of the night. Um, yeah, that was sick. <laughs> by far. And, and again, I was not there at a whole damn pay-per-view. It was the one time I took to go get something. But, Are you serious? Yeah, that was, that was, I was like, all right, it's a good time to get merch. You know, they were just doing intros to the tag team title ladder match. I'm like, all right, we already know who's in it. You know, I was like, all right, let's go. And 
son of a yeah uh i hear the music i'm like you've got to be kidding me uh so (laughs) that's the only moment that of the entire pay-per-view that i was you know i I thought was like wrestlemania worthy and i missed it but i guess it's a personal grudge on, on myself but um it was yeah, I mean that that was not the best pay per view, but to, to your credit or to your uh, point with Vince overthinking and overproducing things, I mean, how many times has he brought in NXT talent thinking that he needs to just kind of Vince McMahonify them? Where I mean, look what he did with Karrion Cross. That was criminal. You, you know what I mean? Like he brings in Karrion Cross, puts a mask on him, like like, and that was the death of his character. And after that, he was just let go. And Triple H brings him back, and he's like, no, like see, look, this guy can be a star. Boom. And they put him in with Scarlet, and he ends SmackDown a couple weeks ago, attacks Drew McIntyre, looks immediately like he belongs, has a great, more natural look, and then puts the hourglass in the ring with Roman as signaling, hey, your time's almost up. Does the same thing to, to Drew this past week in his locker room, leaving a, an hourglass. It's a great symbol of what he's trying to say. And he's just so much more authentic. It's, it is. Like, Vince... I don't think he even watched NXT. I don't think he knew he had a third brand up until like a year ago. Like up until he saw like or wanted to do NXT 2.0, he he probably had no idea. Like and he just when stars came up, some of them worked, but a lot of times he just kind of took it and put his own spin on it for no reason, just other than feeling that, eh, well, it's from that little NXT thing we got. We let's make him a big star. And a lot of times he screwed it up. So yeah, you're right. Stay right there. The WWE Podcast will return after this quick break. So I know we don't really talk a whole lot about movies on here unless I come across one that I really want to share. And I have one for you. It's called Rescue. And the synopsis of this movie is that after the accidental death of Jake's oldest daughter and wife, Jake's only daughter, Leah, has been abducted by human traffickers and is being sold to the cartel. Jake's experience in martial arts sets out with little clues in hand and a collie stick in the other. If you want to check out the trailer, you can do that at rescue.movie. That's rescue.movie. It's also the winner of the Best Feature Film at the Global Film Festival Awards in L.A. that took place this year in 2022. And it has a 9 out of 10 rating on IMBD. You can check out their Facebook fan page or again at rescue.movie for trailers and where you can actually watch the movie. Just do yourself a favor and see why this movie, Rescue, won the Best Feature Film Award. Head to rescue.movie today. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. Yeah, and it's just, it goes to show that, like, when you just keep things simple, that it will often just work out in your favor. And on the Carrying Cross topic, like, look, I don't watch NXT, like, almost at all, and I think you're kind of in the same boat as me. Although I think it would be hard to watch less NXT than I do when you're a wrestling fan. <laughs> but when they debuted Carrying Cross, and he comes out looking like Russell Crowe from The Gladiator, yeah. and didn't he even have, like, that, that weird, like, chest piece that's like the x across your chest and everything it was bad and like almost like a tarzan anyway we knew it was terrible (laughs) and i remember thinking like oh my god what is this guy he's terrible like what is this and he loses like instantaneously to like jeff hardy who was just like an absolute like irrelevant performer at that point and then he shows up on smackdown what is it two and a half three weeks ago 
And all of a sudden, I'm just like, oh, my God, this guy looks the part. And just wearing street clothes, coming out in his, what I assume is his former gimmick with his wife, Scarlett, and, like, just like, just the appearance, just absolutely coming out not looking like something shot out of a comic book or a make-believe movie. And it's just, and it makes such a big difference. And then what do you know? You have a guy who goes from being released, who is theoretically number three in the pecking order in the world championship picture. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a report that came out that they're positioning him as the number two heel in the company right now behind Roman Reigns. And you know what? I don't blame them. This guy is an instantaneous, maybe not star, but he's a main eventer. Like, he's not a guy that you have to give, like, the Veer Mahan or Omos treatment where you have to run through jobbers for six weeks before you have to get a credible opponent to face. Like, this is a guy who clearly can jump, you know, headfirst into the main roster and fit. And if not not just the main roster, but the, the main event scene. And look, right off the bat, he hasn't had a match yet, to my mistake, if I'm not mistaken, but he certainly is fitting the part right now. Yeah, I mean, so far so good. Again, I know that we have to we get have to have a little perspective with how long it's been. It's only been a few weeks, and so, but so far so good. I'm not going to over exaggerate, but I don't want to under under uh, undermine the success that they've had with reintroducing Carrying Cross. So, but I like it. I like this so far. I've heard really no complaints. Uh, about what Triple H is doing from fans. And, uh, yeah, so uh, before we wrap things up, I, I want to touch quickly on the Ronda Rousey situation with Liv Morgan because right now we have a very weird thing going on. I, I was convinced that they turned her heel at SummerSlam, which is I, I thought that's what they did with her snapping on Liv and the referees and all that. And then Ronda Rousey s- continues to get cheered. Liv gets booed. And I think you and I have discussed maybe why that's happening because of the credibility of Liv, Liv, of Liv Morgan. She didn't win the championship in the most uh, upstanding way, even though I understand the rules of money in the bank. It still kind of undermines her as credibility, credible as champion. And then she fluke beats Ronda at the, the next pay-per-view uh, and then uh, she, you know, is still kind of getting that mixed to negative reaction while Ronda is beating up security guards and, you know, going back to the Ronda Rousey of old that really, I think, has turned her more babyface than anything. Like, what the hell is going on? It almost feels like when they tried to turn Becky Lynch heel against a babyface Charlotte, like, what was it, four years from uh, four years ago? Yep. And. I just feel like this is like the Ronda Rousey, the babyface version of Ronda Rousey we all wanted for the last, what, eight months since she returned in January, or the early version of Ronda Rousey that we got in 2018. And unfortunately, they pitted her against Liv, who did have the crowd behind her. I do agree should have won the Money in the Bank. I do agree should have won the uh, Women's Championship. But unfortunately, was Ronda Rousey the right person for her to cash in on? Because... Like you just said, Liv has yet to win a credible match, and she's yet to have a credible victory while being the women's champion. And at this point, I'm saying, like I was thinking about it today, like maybe they should just pull a 180 and just turn Liv heel 
and then just have her like a weaselly type of Alexa Bliss as character from 2017 when she was the women's champion. Because at this point, I don't know if they could switch this back to the way that they maybe originally visioned it with Ronda as a full blown heel and Liz live as a lovable baby face because people are liking the aggression of Ronda Rousey. They're liking like the Becky Lynch slash Stone Cold Steve Austin as behavior of the, you know, F you to the man and won't back down from anybody. And Liv is just cowarding away in all of this. And she's done nothing to really redeem herself in any which way as, let's say, like an upstanding babyface champion. So at this point, I would just say, hey, listen to the crowd, turn Ronda or continue down the road of Ronda being babyface and just turn Liv heel. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to be reactionary, but right now this is a pattern. It wasn't just kind of a one-off in a big market where people were just being rebellious and all that. Like, now I'm seeing a pattern, and, and I think the formula of what we saw with Ronda is what people loved with her at the beginning, where she's just this kick-ass MMA star. She's not this kind of weird, pandering, awkward-on-the-mic babyface that really was just a few weeks ago before this whole thing happened was trending down and, you know... When they turned her heel, I'm like, thank God. But now she's back to what really worked in the beginning. And she's this kick-ass heel that, like you said, she's F.U. to the man and just just running roughshod, doing whatever she wants, breaking people's arms, attacking security. People love that crap. And I understand why. The one thing I would caution against, though, is if we're finally, and this is amazing to say, that after all this time, we still have not gotten a Becky Lynch-Ronda Rousey one-on-one matchup. After how many years that this has been going on. It was supposed to happen at Survivor Series of 19. We know the injury that happened to Becky, one of the most famous shots of all time with Becky blood running down her face, thanks to Nia Jax, all that that wasn't supposed to happen. But that match was supposed to take place in 2019. Uh, And then WWE shoehorns uh, Charlotte into the main event that should have never been, and we still don't have Becky Ronda. So my, my point of all this is saying... That if they're going to go that road, it should be a heel Ronda versus a babyface Becky. So they have time to, to, to re, you know, remove or move their chess pieces around to make that happen. So if they're going to get a little bit more out of a Ronda Rousey babyface run, now's the time. But I would argue that, you know, as we get closer towards winter time and the Rumble, turn Ronda heel and have a full blown Becky Lynch babyface return because she should be back by then heading into WrestleMania 39 in Hollywood. Yeah, and I think that's a match that we have to get to, right, at this point. Like, we never got a one-on-one match between Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey, which is absolutely crazy to me. Do you, have you have you realized that? Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like it has, it's it's insane that this hasn't happened. Like she's faced almost everyone else one on one. Like she's gone, you know, she she's faced Shotzi one on one for God's sakes. I mean, she's <laughs> like she's. I mean, like this is it's absurd. Nat and Natalia, you know, the, the Riot Squad that at one point. It's like how the hell have they not done this one on one matchup? It's it's really just they're like two ships. In, in the sea, just passing each other all the time, never actually colliding. But to me, it's do or die at WrestleMania 39. I think they'll do it. It's it's it has to happen. Ronda Becky has to happen this year. I just want a babyface Ronda versus or a babyface Becky heel Ronda. So of course they have like six months to get there. They have time, but that's that's what I want anyway. So, all right. Well, uh, I think that will do it for tonight's show. I, yeah, I, I, I just want to say, everybody, look, like we are in a transformational time right now with WWE. There's a lot of things to look forward to, a lot of changes that are subtle but huge at the same time that we have to look forward to. And I think we will finally see the end of Roman Reigns' run, at least partially, in just a couple weeks at Clash at the Castle. But anything else before we wrap it up? 
Well, all I would want to ask you is, what do you think about this Trish Stratus return? Mm. Well, I, I'm trying to avoid social media because I have no idea what happened on Raw. I know she went face to face with Bailey, uh, but I, I don't I don't know anything beyond that. Uh, so, I mean, I will say Trish will probably get herself involved maybe in another match. Uh, but I will say that I, I don't know if, how many more times I can go to the well with Trish. I don't think she's that great on the mic. She's a legend, no doubt about it. She's a trailblazer and all that. I don't think she's great on the mic. Um, and you know, does she get me super excited out of you know? Besides nostalgia, not really. Like it's like okay, cool. Trish is here, you know, and and she can help the the younger girls. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'd have to watch Raw to make that determination. Yeah, I'm just curious as to whether or not this is like a full time run, a one and done. Like they were kind of vague in how she was returning to Raw, so. I'm more curious to see like what kind of road they go down with this. And Edge, don't forget, Edge in Toronto tonight. So Ooh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that Edge versus Damian Priest, something big's happening there, and I think it has something to do with Dom. That's just my prediction. Um, so uh, yeah, well, cool. I, I'm really glad that we were able to do this again this week, and you know, of course, next week we'll be doing this again as we get. Well, at that time, one week away from, I think it's going to be a very, very big show in Wales in Cardiff, Wales, that will, uh, I think, change things in a big way. But, uh, of course, let everyone know where they can find you and uh, the show that you put out every single Friday. Yeah, so you can get me on Twitter, as always, at Adamarka25, and uh, you can catch my WWE retro show that I drop every single Friday. This last week was covering the Royal Rumble 2004, which, in my mind, I know we can't talk about it because Chris Benoit won it, but in my mind was one of the best Royal Rumble cards ever. Mm. A great rumble, and, and I know again, Chris Benoit, very controversial. But if we j- we're sticking to professional career, the professional career of Chris Benoit is something to. I mean, it, it is something that's really amazing and one of the best workers. I understand all the other stuff, but yeah. So yes, great show. Check it out, everybody. And of course, buddy, we'll be talking next week. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. Have a good night. So I know we don't really talk a whole lot about movies on here unless I come across one that I really want to share. And I have one for you. It's called Rescue. And the synopsis of this movie is that after the accidental death of Jake's oldest daughter and wife, Jake's only daughter, Leah, has been abducted by human traffickers and is being sold to the cartel. Jake's experience in martial arts sets out with little clues in hand and a collie stick in the other. If you want to check out the trailer, you can do that at rescue.movie. That's rescue.movie. It's also the winner of the Best Feature Film at the Global Film Festival Awards in L.A. that took place this year in 2022, and it has a 9 out of 10 rating on IMBD. You can check out their Facebook fan page or, again, at rescue.movie for trailers and where you can actually watch the movie. Just do yourself a favor and see why this movie, Rescue, won the Best Feature Film Award. Head to rescue.movie today. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.